are listening to Last Word Soccer Club Radio. Only here, lastwordonsports.com. What's up, Internet? My name is Matt Pollard, and you are listening to Last Word Soccer Club Radio here at lastwordonsports.com. It is just afternoon, Easter time, Saturday, December 3rd, 2022. Full time in the round of 16, the Netherlands 3, the United States 1, the USA crash out of the World Cup in the knockouts uh, here to talk about all that, what it means, big picture, what it means, small picture, and maybe have a little bit of group therapy. Uh, Edward Vento, Ed, are you OK? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, it's obviously disappointing, but uh, kind of expected. Yeah, so I mean, uh, let's we've been starting historically with the lineup. So I guess let's start with if we roll it back, maybe two days. We had the pelvic contusion that <clears throat> Christian Pulisic had that he confirmed two days ago. Now that uh, he did not get hit in the genitals, and then Josh Sargent also out with the ankle injury that ultimately made him unavailable from this game. Ed, I was not surprised at all that Christian Pulisic was able to play. I think we'll find out in the coming days how healthy he actually was. Uh, Disappointed in Sergeant, your thoughts on the decision to play Ferreira? Not surprised by the decision, but kind of disappointed by the decision. Uh, I think this was a, I mean, we'll get into the game stuff later, but Ferreira just was not very good. So, and obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but I would have stuck Haji right up there, especially with the Netherlands having such tall defenders. Mm-hmm. I was okay. You know, obviously all of this is on the contingency that I have not physically been at training. I don't know how fit David, yeah. or I don't know how fit Jesus Ferrer is. I keep calling him David because I'm used to his dad playing for FC Dallas. <laughs> I apologize, listeners. I've, I've done that multiple times over the, the last couple of years. Uh, so I, I could understand stylistically because you think you were going to play in transition initially. And so I guess now we'll come into the game, Ed, which is I was surprised. Like the first 10 minutes, the Dutch were sitting back like they almost they pulled a. I was not expecting what they ultimately did tactically from Louis van Gaal. And I think if they knew that that was going to be the approach, I think you would have had right start and then Ferreira come in or you would have had to have a come, you know, Greg was managing the situation on like a five minute chunk basis, which we have not seen on the whole of this tournament that I think was a factor in when and who was subbed on in the second half. But I was, I was surprised by that tactically. I was just texting back and forth with my little brother before, we uh, got on here, Ed, and it was kind of like the the four teams that we played all recognized what the U.S. could do in transition, and fundamentally from their shape, their first thing was try was tr- was to try and nullify that. I think the Dutch absolutely. I think the English. I think they play. They created more chances. So I'll say England did the best in terms of actually preventing goals, creating, uh, preventing chance creation. But um, you know, Ed, prior to the um to the Memphis goal, your thoughts on the first 10 minutes and really how, how the Dutch set up. Yeah, I think we lost this game in the first 10 minutes, uh, believe it or not. I, I think if Christian Pulisic buries that, that chance in, I think the second or third minute it was, I think we're looking at a completely different game, the entire 90. I think we might even be looking at a different final score. So uh, from that moment on, I was kind of just like, in the World Cup and in, in the sport in general, you can't miss your opportunities like that. So 
that moment there, I was kind of, that's when reality kicked in. I was really excited and really hopeful. And then when he missed that shot and then like five, six, seven minutes later, Memphis scored, I was like, okay, we're in for a long night. Yeah, it was it was a bad omen for me, certainly. Um, So let's come on to the goal. Um, The Dutch win the ball back in midfield. Some absolutely fantastic passing just completely undoes the U.S. defense. A little bit out of position play, I think, from both fullbacks. Walker Zimmerman doesn't react well to how things are moving. And then I don't know if you've seen it. There's been a pretty good both still shots and then a video zooming in of just uh, Memphis Depay just going past Tyler Adams. There's a lot of people who I think are at fault in this goal. Um, you know, I think if they were to do a film review right now, I think, you know, I, I think there's easily four or five guys that would raise their hand and say, I could have done better on that. But I'm for, you know, I, I'm not just saying this, Ed, because I did a whole feature on Tyler Adams and how he's improved, but he, he was the biggest, uh, he, he had the biggest L in the L that was that goal. Yeah, I credit to the Dutch, though. That was a beautiful build out. Uh, we were attempting to press and they just passed right through it and worked their way up the field and Dumfries played a great ball. Uh, yeah, there were a lot of guys at fault, but you're right. Tyler Adams getting beat kind of felt like the, the one to look back on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed, what do we think? What did, so, uh, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I felt like the Netherlands did oh, second best. Uh, well, um, that was me referring to what they were doing defensively. What did they do in transition in their ball play that you think really undid the team? Just like there were five or six open looks at goal. And I can remember maybe uh, from the run of play, maybe two in the previous three games. What did they do really well that the U.S. didn't deal with that nobody's done prior? Well, they were, I think they were just very sharp and concise with their passing. I think they were just I think it was just this uh quality just outshined ours. I, I, I really think this was a really good learning experience for this team. I mean, both goals, the first two goals were essentially the exact same play. Mm-hmm. Like they, they kind of just exploited weaknesses. The passing was so pinpoint and precise in transition and they were just able to take advantage of their chances and we weren't. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I think that the if, if they could just have gotten out of the half with it being one nil, you know, to your point, there were so many little moments in this game, Ed, where I thought the you know the game could have completely turned on a dime, and pretty much all of them, with the exception of Haji Wright's accidental granny <laughs> shot, you know, back heel, um, you know, ultimately, you know, went against our way. Tyler Adams tracks that run. I think maybe he intercepts it from Dupuy. You know, he puts it out for a corner. Does Big Verge get on that ensuing corner? I'm not entirely sure. You know, but if, you know, if if they don't get that goal, I think it's potentially a different game. If Christian Pulisic converts on that chance, I think it's a, a different game. We'll come on to it in a little bit as well. But I think there are, you know, a couple other big moments as well. But to, to your point, Ed, I just I think this was the best example. Wales did an okay job of shutting us down defensively, but they were always going to be in a flat 4-4-2, almost a flat 4-5-1. You know, Iran obviously wasn't able to hold things down and then they pinned us in, but we were able to deal with that. England kind of did the, England had the good mix of we're actually going to try and play against you guys, but we're going to be decent defensively and okay, not great, not exciting um, in the attacking half. And I feel like this was the, uh, you know, had the U.S. found a way to get out of this game somehow, you know, let's say 
let's say Jedi Robinson, you know, is, uh, you know, at the back post for that goal. And let's say Gio Reyna's header goes in in the final minutes as well. And then maybe, you know, we find a way to nick it in penalties. Then you would take the 90 minute performance and you would give that film to Argentina for this is how you beat the United States. What you do in setting up defensively, what you need to focus on in transition. And in that regard, you know, at times this game looked like men against boys just because I thought the Dutch did exactly what you would want to do to shut us down when we're attacking and they're trying to defend. And this is exactly how you would try to break up what we're doing attacking wise, given that we tried to be the aggressors in this game. We were the aggressors in this game, but in doing so, we were not in control and the Dutch were the protagonists. And then in that deserved to um advance um uh you know ed you said it really well um the danny blind goal was basically the exact same as the second so let's come on to the second half um we finally got to see Gio Reyna come in for the game your thoughts on the halftime substitution yeah i'm glad that he got to play more than 11 minutes uh, i i think he thought he was good not great i think right when he came on he created an opportunity and i was like Gee, I wonder, I wonder where this could have been all tournament. Like right when he came on, it he like kept the ball in play and cross it to McKinney, and McKinney shot it over the bar. And I was like, look, right when he comes on, he creates opportunities. So happy to see him on. He definitely provided a spark that I think we needed. Um, so let's come on. What's the next thing that I really want to talk about in the second half? So it comes out and it starts to open up. Um, which chances, I guess, which chances stand out for you prior to uh, Haji Wright making it 2-1, Ed? Oh, gosh. Um, like I just mentioned, there was that Weston McKinney chance. Um, I think if I'm not mistaken, there was a run up the right by Wea. Where they got he, the, I think he took it too far, and then the defender yeah, was able to track back. Yeah, yeah, that looked like it was going to be promising. And then I think he had another one that he crossed into the box as well. That was kind of a little low-driven. Uh, didn't find the footing of anyone, but it, it just seemed like a lot of almost chances, really, more so than anything like concrete. Yeah, and I want to give real credit to the wide players, both attacking and defending for, um, you know, for the Dutch. You know, Dumfries had, you know, I think it was two assists and a goal in this game, so he contributed to all three goals that the um, the Netherlands ultimately scored. But I thought he was fantastic defensively. Um, the best performance I've seen in terms of someone matching up one v one with uh, with Jedi Robinson. You know, and I thought Dest was, you know, you know, he brought the sauce and he was feeling like a gamer in the second in the first half. I think, I think him even more so than. In that, in the final twenty minutes of the first half, was willing to try trying to grab the game by the scruff of the neck to try and get a little bit of control, and so I thought he was really dynamic in the attack. But you know, at the same time, I thought that the Dutch on that side they bent a lot, but they didn't break. So he was able to get opportunities, but it wasn't his first option. And fundamentally, that just led to him serving balls in a box. And as you mentioned earlier, Ed, that's not that's not I did it again. That's not Jesus's game. That would that would have been Haji's game. Um, however, um, right before, uh, I don't know that Haji Wright redeemed himself with the goal when in the way that he scored it, because you had that really poor back pass and he touches onto it. And if he just takes it, you know, glues it to the foot, Darlington Nagby style, and then runs in, even he's able to score. Josh Sargent would have scored that, uh, you know, and then he just takes a super long touch and isn't able to score. And I tweeted at actually right at that, you know, Haji Wright summing up uh, the game there for the United States. And then I immediately respond all caps, what, three minutes later um, when he puts that in. Um, 
Ed, your thoughts on the goal, the fortuitous nature of it, and did we really care at the time? Yeah, yeah. to be honest, right at that moment, I was like, okay, we're back in this game. We're going to get a second, and this is going to go to extra time. Because uh, when you see lucky plays happen like that, it can it jumpstarts a lot of things in my mind. Where I'm like, okay, if we're getting a touch like that, maybe the gods are swinging back into our favor here, and we're going to find one more. But obviously, that didn't last long. But yeah, it was a very lucky goal. I, I didn't think it went in. I thought it went over the bar. Mm-hmm. So when I heard the announcers like saying, "Oh, it's a goal," I was like, "What? I need to see the replay." But yeah, it was it was a weird one. Yeah, um, I'm just rewatching it now. Um, I'm pretty sure the uh, I think that was Pulisic. So I think Christian officially has been involved in every single goal that we've scored um, in this tournament, which is a testament to his quality. But yeah, a fortuitous one. Um, uh, I think maybe in the long run, Ed, I, I think there's other chances that we're going to think about as well in that. And so I guess Haji Wright in making literally all the thing, making a goal out of nothing and completely accidental. Um, I don't know if that absolves him because it's not like the, hey, you scored a great goal because I don't think it was intentional or anything, but he's not the first person that I'm pointing to with what's wrong in this loss. Um, Set pieces, Ed, I think we're a little bit better in terms of the service, and I think fundamentally we're still really lacking. We talked about this on the last pod of just basically, I don't know what the set piece head coach is doing because fire that guy, it clearly has not been good. Um, And I think it speaks to the fact that they were trying everything that I saw particularly in the second half off of corners was something that was not a previous look we've seen. So clearly they were throwing, you know, they were throwing Elon Musk's uh, kitchen sink at the situation or just trying to do something different. Um, And I think that was exemplified by what was almost the uh, Bun Brothers bicycle. Yeah. (laughs) I, I was wondering, what is he doing? I was like, if that's anyone else, they might have a chance, but a lot of people know. Um, yeah, set pieces have never been our strength, really. Uh, Kellen Acosta in the past has been pretty good on delivering set pieces. And, you know, McKenney can get his head to pretty much anything. But, yeah, pretty poor in this World Cup. And I never felt like we were going to ever score on a set piece. <clears throat> yeah, um... I think the service obviously had been poor from Christian Pulisic. Like if I'm taking like big picture things that I think need to be resolved um, going into 2026, I think obviously I think there need Tim Ream's not going to make it. And I think Zimmerman's shown where his quality's at. And there's clearly a ceiling of what he's capable and not capable of doing on the international stage. So I think there's an interesting question of, is that Cameron Carter Vickers? Is it Chris Richards establishing himself in the Premier League? <clears throat> I think there's a very high chance that we're going to need two new center backs starting that first game in 2026 obviously i don't need to say it for you listeners uh we need a massive change at the center forward position or at least more experience and <clears throat> i'm getting so hoarse um that, at that but yeah i think in terms of the other than positionally i think we need to look at what we're doing on set pieces the service from christian pulisic has not been very good if he's that bad at it and has been taking all of our set pieces when he's been on the field. I think that speaks to is somebody else not doing anything when they practice corners in training. Um, Weston McKenney didn't get on any of those chances. Is that systematic and something they were doing? Was that a very, was that something he wasn't able to do uh, just with the fact that he wasn't fit? Was that injury related? I'm not entirely sure. Um, you know, and Walker Zimmerman has been great in the air defensively for the United States. He was completely ineffective. Um, 
on that. So I think there's there's a question of what we're doing and then who's doing it and how that I think are all completely valid to the point where it's the, hey, you know, like, F it, let's ball. And then Tim Marine's like, I'm going to flick it on to Zimmerman. And Zimmerman's thinking, I'm going to go for the bicycle kick. And if this goes in, everybody's going to forgive me for the, you know, for the penalty against Wales. But um, it was not to be. Um Tim Ream as well, and I think it was the I think it was the first corner of the second half, you know, gets on that chance right at goal and he just isn't able to get a touch to it. As someone who watches him for Fulham, he does not get a lot of those chances and he doesn't do a whole lot with them. Maybe Walker Zimmerman, if he gets onto that, we're having a different situation we're having a different conversation. Maybe if it's I think Ricardo Pepe two years ago or eighteen months ago, maybe finds a way to put that in. But um, you know, um say la vie. Uh, let's come on to the third goal for uh, the Dutch, Ed, where they kind of get forward. They're on the wings, and I, I think there's clearly a miscommunication. It was uh, it was Jedi and Tim Ream marking the same guy in the box, and Dumfries is wide open for a smash in, and I think that quelled whatever chances we had of coming back in this game. Yeah, that was the true dagger. Um, it was just terrible. Terrible defending. Uh, like you said, they were marking the same man. Nobody within I don't know how many yards of him, but just just lots of things they need to clean up. I, I think they should if they had cleaned up in this game, maybe we're having a different conversation. And a play like that just can't happen in, in the knockouts of the World Cup. Yeah, um, intensity. I think on both ends of the pitch, we're certainly missing. Um, you know, I think it was it was a couple you know percentage points different in terms of our quality on the ball when we really needed it, and that's something that against Wales and Iran that are going to be inherently conservative, you can get away with. That's something with England on an off day, you can mostly get away with. The Dutch kind of being locked in. I'll, I'll go out and say it. I've watched all three of their group stage games. Um, I thought this was their best performance, and I'm pretty sure Louis Van Gaal's probably already said that on the Dutch. TV channel that doesn't think Grant Wall knows who uh, <laughs> doesn't. <laughs> that was absolutely so. Uh, aside here, folks, Grant Wall was interviewed by a Dutch TV channel as an American soccer journalist, American football journalist, and they were asking, they were quizzing him on Dutch football. And they asked him who's some random guy who I'd never heard of that apparently was an okay um, Dutch player and is now working in media. And then they asked him who Johan Cruyff is. Um, and so, uh, Yes, <laughs> um, which I, I thought was just farcical of just like the, you know, like you haven't Google like you could Google Grant Wall. And if you speak OK English as a Dutch person, I feel like you'd be able to see within like the first two pages of his Google hits or his Twitter account that this guy relatively knows his stuff, but maybe a learning experience for them. Um, but so in any case, getting back on point, uh, the Netherlands had their best performance of the game. This was their most focused. Um, this was they were at their best when they absolutely needed it. And just that what. I think is a relatively small gulf in quality experience and depth ultimately showed in massive ways that I think hopefully are going to be a magnifying force going forward as we go into 2026. But we didn't have the same level of intensity that we did against Iran. The passing sharpness was different and the defensive focus were, we had three, you could argue we had five lapses in that, um, Two of them led to three great saves from Matt Turner. You know, he had the one where he saves it and then the rebound, he gets it off his arm. But fundamentally, the Dutch had six really good chances and they scored on three of them. I would say the U.S.'s goal was not a great chance. It was a fortuitous bounce for Haji Wright. So I would argue we had maybe three or four really good chances and we didn't score on any of them. And that massive gulp that is a relatively small thing that we can easily fix in the next four years made it look like we're somebody looking in, you know, where a casual fan just looking at the box score, looking at the scoreline and being like, 
like, oh, we lost 3-1. We lost by multiple goals. Soccer doesn't have a lot of goals. We got absolutely destroyed. And yes, that's true in many ways for the performance, but there's so many it's fine margins and fine margins that were ultimately magnified. Um, Ed, you're nodding your head. Uh, anything you want to say about that? Well, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I don't think the scoreline necessarily does us any justice. And that's why I was like praying to God it wasn't 4-1 because I was going to say then people are going to think we got absolutely killed and it really wasn't the case. Uh, you said it best. It was just a couple of moments that probably needed to be tweaked. If if Robinson is marking his man, if it was somebody maybe other than Tim Ream on that header, if Christian Pulisic had played that ball a little softer to Haji Wright, I think we're looking at 2-2. Um, so I definitely don't think this was a thrashing of any by any stretch. Um, yeah, there's a there's a lot to be proud of with the way they play. Mm-hmm. Yes, but fundamentally, I think I tweeted this out at full time. Um, you know, I'm I'm disappointed, but not surprised in the result, not necessarily the scoreline. Many aspects of the performance were could have been better. And, you know, I'm sure in I don't know whether or not this is going to get revealed to the media, Ed, but I'm sure in it, I'm sure in the next 48 hours, they're going to do a proper autopsy of what happened. You know, I think, you know, did we expend too much energy against Iran? I think the difference of the fact that you didn't have a fifth midfielder that you really had confidence in for more than, you know, Kellen Acosta coming in to see out a game for 15 minutes. I think there was a lack of depth that was certainly an issue. I think some minor injuries that guys were playing with that was certainly an issue. Fundamentally, I don't think we had we didn't have a third fullback that we had confidence in starting a game that I think certainly hurt us. You know, you, you could see that the final 20 minutes, Robinson's legs were completely gone. Desk got subbed out because he didn't have anything after 60 minutes. And so that's where the difference of having a third one of those guys, regardless of which side it is on the field, you know, maybe they're stylistically a better fit in one of the three group stage games so that one of them has 90 fewer minutes under their legs as well. You know, there's so many, little things I, I haven't looked back on it yet, but I feel like I feel comfortable in saying like a third of the roster didn't even play in this game and half of it played like less than 20 minutes if you're talking about so um you know if Luca De La Torre was at the level to where he can be in Brendan Aronson's role and then McKenney could not be given a start then I think you'd get away with this um I'm sure at some point we'll get a tell-all book or you know uh, Reina's dad is gonna hop on a Twitter spaces and reveal a bunch of stuff as well you know about what happened there to where you know if if Ray if Reina secretly hasn't been fit then maybe he's fit enough to where he plays he comes in for um you know, for Pulisic at the half, so then Aronson has a little bit more legs. You know, I think the fact that the Dutch were really liked their 11, didn't have more than one weakness in that 11, and then had five or six guys that they had confidence in to come on the bench over the course of the four games so far, and the fact that, you know, Burhalter almost went like NBA playoff team, um, you know, with that, that I think ultimately that hurt us. And I think, again, I think we'll be better that in 2026, but my question right now that I would ask that hopefully we'll find out in the coming days, weeks, or months, you know, is that for internally, what did they feel was missing in terms of the lack of intensity, the lack of sharpness and everything? And it was secretly... If it was actually just that they expended too much energy in order to beat Iran, then, okay, I know we need a little bit more depth than, okay, Luca De La Torre, show me what you can do in four years in La Liga and then be good enough to where Greg feels comfortable playing you or whoever the coach is, plays comfortable playing you for 30 minutes come a Gold Cup, a Copa America that we participated in, certainly a World Cup in 2026. And again, that's where just another small thing that you think would be inconsequential ultimately was massive and a huge difference maker um in this game um ed matt turner man of the match for the united states yes no yeah i would say so um 
some of those goals, you know, he couldn't have done anything with. And then he made a lot of good saves. He had that touch over the bar on a ball that Depay like blasted right at him. And then he had the double save, which was pretty incredible. So, yeah, I would say he was probably the most consistent player on the field for us today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I mentioned earlier how I was disappointed in Tyler Adams. Uh, anybody else that you want to criticize or didn't think that they had enough? I, I don't know that we said it enough, Ed, but, you know, Jesus Ferreira was was absent in this game. Um, you know, yeah. I, I mentioned that stylistically, I liked what he did. Had I known again, hindsight's twenty twenty that he was going to play that way. I absolutely would have started, um, uh, would have started Haji, right? Um, is that a fitness issue? Is that a Dallas Scott went out in the second round of the playoffs? So he just wasn't completely sharp. I'm not entirely sure in that. Um, and who knows, maybe if, uh, you know, if, if maybe if, if Pepe's, you know, fit and, and scoring goals in the Netherlands, then maybe we're having a different conversation, um, you know, with, with that. And I think, so I, I of of the guys who started, I think he was the one that I was most disappointed in. And I think the fact that he was subbed off for Reyna and Reyna got played as a false nine, which is something Berhalter had been saying publicly, he didn't think of any of his guys that are normally wide guys as false nines, I think was certainly, it was damning of Ferreira's performance. And I think it was, uh, to a certain extent, it might have even been damning of um, Berhalter's belief that he could put Haji right in there for 45 minutes and continue to play stylistically. Um, the way that they wanted. Um, Ed, big picture, I know we talked uh, last pod about, you know, we, we gave our thoughts on whether or not we'd want or think that Greg Berhalter should be back, what we think, you know, big picture, does the result of performance change anything for you? What are you looking forward to in the next four years? Uh, it doesn't change anything. I still don't think that Greg Berhalter is the man to lead this team to whatever our promised land is going to look like. Um, I've been pretty fed up with the personnel choices, you know, players he brings in for camps, players he leaves off, guys that he kind of favors over others. Um, like having Aaron Long on the team and not playing a single minute, like that's a spot that could have gone to somebody else with higher quality. Um, I've been a little annoyed with his tactical, like his inability to change his tactics. I think he's really set in his ways. And sometimes that hurts us. A lot of times in a lot of these games that he won, he got bailed out by the talent we have on the field, like the Nations League final, uh, the Gold Cup final. So I think, yeah, while yes, he, he won two trophies and he got us out of a group stage at a World Cup and he qualified us for the World Cup, I still don't see him as the best option going forward. Who is that best option? I can't tell you right now, but I don't think it's Greg. And if I'm harsh, if I sound harsh, I'm sorry. I just, I just don't think he's the one. Okay. Um, I think I, you know, I'll, I'll reiterate it. I, I will not be the first person complaining if ultimately um, he is retained. I think certainly, I, th- I think the biggest thing for me is um, he's gotten results and the players seem to believe in him and trust in his system. And I think that matters more than the noise and all the criticisms and other things. I think certainly what you said and what, you know, the typical marks on him, I think are certainly valid. He overthinks things tactically. I think there's certainly some personnel issues. Um, waiting on a lot of tell-all books here, Ed, between Giovanni Reyna, John Brooks and then a few others potentially as well. Um, you know, and then I, I, I do my general philosophy on this is I don't think that a I don't think that a coach should be given more than one World Cup cycle. I think they need a I think they do generally need a new voice. Jurgen Klinsmann certainly outstayed his welcome. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's an argument that Bruce Arena has outstayed his welcome multiple times. Now 
on the U.S. Uh, with the U.S. national team. So um, I, I won't be complaining. I will. He will have my confidence, but it's not what I would do if I was in U.S. soccer's position. Um, and so, yeah, so that's that's my thought on it. At the same time, I'm not sure who the obvious replacement is. Um, I think the obvious two first calls that you would make within MLS would be Jim Curtin and Peter Vermees. I think Vermees has stagnated a little bit too much in that he's used to one situation where he has a lot of control, which he won't have with the national team. And I don't know that Jim Curtin's won enough to say that he's ready to move on from Philadelphia. But if either of those guys were going to move on from pretty sweet club situations, then I think it would be to coach the U.S. in a tournament that they're going to host. I'm not saying that those would be my first. My first call would be to Jesse Marsh or my first call would be like, let's appoint an interim guy. We don't have to worry about anybody for the March Nations League or anything. And let's, you know, let's ironically root for Jesse Marsh to fail at Leeds <laughs> so that you can so that you can appoint him. That would be that would be my dream situation. Um, if that ends up not happening and it's Jim Curtin, I'm happy with that. If it ends up not happening and ends up being pre-remise, I'm happy with that. I'd prefer all three of those over Triple G. I will not be, you know, sharpening the pitchforks and lighting the torches if it ends up being um that uh if it ends up being that Greg's back. Um so I think that's all we have to say about that. We kind of talked about, you know, big picture what we want to see personnel-wise change. Um you know, and how much do you think this experience, so much of the context and how we viewed this tournament and this competition was through the lens of it's setting up for 2026. In that regard, was mission accomplished? Did we build enough of a foundation to think that we can do more than just get out of the group that we could achieve what the 2002 team did or better? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and I think the expectation now going into the 2026 World Cup should be uh, getting at least getting to the quarterfinals and winning one game in the knockouts. Uh, I think we're going to have a lot of good. We have we're going to have a lot more depth. We'll have guys like Malik Tillman potentially in 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 the conversation there. Certainly Ricardo Pepe, Chris Richards back, Miles Robinson back. We should have Slonina as a potential, maybe even starter if he does reach the levels some people think he can. Um, so the depth will be better, and I definitely think that this generated a, a level of hype from casual fans that is good to have right before you're going to host the World Cup. And then I think hosting the World Cup will be very important to growing this team and having <clears throat> expectations and holding them accountable. Mm-hmm. Totally way too early prediction on this. Uh, Ed, regardless of the format, do we win a knockout game in 2026? Yes. I agree. Um what would we like to see, you know, because obviously there's not going to be any World Cup qualifiers going forward. Would you like to see us pursue trying to get into a Euro, a Copa America Centenario, or should it just be European-based friendlies for four years? Oh, uh, Absolutely, we should try to get into one of those tournaments. Uh, hopefully Copa America. I mm-hmm. doubt we would get put in the Euros, but that would be yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I would definitely try to get into Copa America. Uh, I assume Mexico and Canada will do the same thing. So that would be a really fun tournament. Uh, I think we need to be playing competitive games because we're going to miss out on that with qualifying, like you said. So yeah, I would try to get into just something like Copa America. 
Yeah, because I was just I was looking at it. I think it's Grenade. I think it's Granada, and then I can't remember what the second team is that we play in March. But you know, we're, fundamentally, we're not going to get the competition that we need in Nations League. Or when we do, it's going to be one game every six months to a year, and it's pretty much just going to be Canada or Mexico. And I'm not sure with the way that those two. I think Canada's games would almost be more effective because they're kind of in a similar situation to us of like young group. This is a building thing. They were looking at 2026. Um, there's rot in El Tree's Federation right now that needs to be rooted out. And stem their team's going to look completely different from 2026 with the old guys that they have and the guys that clearly aren't good enough you know when's the last time the u.s played a <clears throat> a competitive game against a first team world cup a first team mexico squad that did not have hector Herrera and andres guardado in the starting 11 so they're going to look completely different i don't know who they go with as head coach um Tata was pretty bland, so maybe Herb Renard's out of a job now with saudi arabia he can at least give them a little bit of energy but so you know to your point um, with the natural competitions that we get, <clears throat> you know, we're only going to get a handful of really competitive games that are super relevant for us and really going to help us build on games like we would face against England and against the Netherlands. And so I think that's a challenge that Canada could give us. I think that's a challenge that maybe in certain situations Mexico would be able to give us, but we're not going to get that from Nations League. We're not going to get that from a Gold Cup group stage. Give me Copa America, um, you know, and maybe if the TV ratings are good enough, maybe that's enough to convince UEFA to say that it's worth the money to, to let us into um, the Euros. Um, I was looking last night and it looks like, so the first round of qualifying for that has already wrapped up, but the second round doesn't start until... So I'm not sure what like the numbers look like and everything. Germany's hosting that in 2024. For those of you who are wondering, listeners, I think it'd be so easy for um you know for Concacaf to call up Comnable and say, hey, accept three of our guys into Copa America, and they take that just for the money on its own. But um, I I, I think I'm good. Well, I guess Ed, do we want to do a do we want to do a, a whip around with the rest of um World Cup qualifying? I know there's other outlets that have covered that um a little bit more seriously. Um, I still think it's I think it's Brazil or France's tournament to lose for me. That's my final right now. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see how Argentina plays because I definitely don't think they've looked like the contenders we thought they might be. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see if they kind of grow into this tournament and start to hit their stride in the knockouts. But I went with Brazil before the World Cup started. I'm sticking with them now. Although we saw this morning, I don't know if you heard, that Jesus, Gabriel Jesus, Mm -hmm. and somebody else is out for the rest of the tournament. So this is going to be... This is, is going to be Neymar? a real question of their depth. No, Neymar, I think, is is potentially coming back. Let me see here. Let's confirm that before we start accidentally. It's, it's Gabriel Jesus and Alex Tellez who are both out for the rest of the World Cup. Okay, um, that hurts. Um, if Neymar is able to go back in whenever they have their knockout stage game, um, then... Um, you know, then I, I'm still, I'm agreeing with you. I'm still backing Brazil. I think the best final it would have and the one that would be the most interesting for me, because France has looked dynamic and they rested their guys. So I think they're going to be fully fit for their potential final four games. And Brazil went full Samba mode in the group stage that was so (laughs) aesthetically pleasing to fun. So I think that's the prettiest final. I think that's the biggest final that wouldn't involve Messi, obviously. So that's the one that, um, I'm still, that's the one that, I will be happy for and the one that I'm predicting will happen. I still emotionally want to root for Messi, but I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. I think they beat the Dutch, but I, I think they'll, they'll look out cost against Brazil in the same way that we were today against the against the Netherlands. So um, 
Well, I think, I think that does it. We both said that we're still picking uh, picking Brazil. So, um, listeners, mm-hmm. thank you for joining us. Ed, I want to thank you again for you've been fantastic these last couple weeks and will continue to be as we look forward to 2026 with the United States men's national team. Um, I want to thank our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Roughneck Scarves make fantastic uh, scarves. Um, They make custom scarves. They have stuff for U.S. soccer. They have stuff for MLS and NWSL as well. Head on over to roughneckscarves.com if you're interested in uh, in that. And then Icarus FC makes fantastic custom kits as well. So if you're not enamored with some of the things that they've done in the World Cup and you want a really custom and specific kit, well-designed, that's not from one of the cookie-cutter templates you get from the big boys and everything, head on over to IcarusFC.com. I'm not sure when we'll see you next listeners because we we've been needing to go dark and not cover mls off season it's been mostly dry other than the messy rumors and then garth Lagerway to um atlanta united so we'll see you when you see when we see you i'm not sure when that's going to be it might be in january so maybe happy holidays and happy new year